Street Smart Real Estate Investing. Welcome to the new innovative concept of real estate investing. No more expensive courses. No more high-priced mentors taking your money and leaving you without ongoing support. Become a full-time seasoned real estate investor by participating with our already successful team members. Now is the time to stop talking about real estate investing and start doing. Take action. Just ask and we will help you. We promise one thing, no BS. For more info, www.streetsmartrei.com. Fire. Hey, Mr. Jason. Good day, Eric. How are you? I'm always good. Hello, everybody. And I would like to introduce you to Jason, a friend of mine. Uh, we've been knowing each other for two years, three years-ish, right? Two and a half, three, yeah, getting there. Yeah, definitely, right? And you are you are specialized more likely in the renovations and one of your uh, unique uh, strategies, way of thinking as a real estate investor is automation, right? That's right, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Systemization, automation, you know, putting your business in the right direction. So. The investor investment out automator <laughs> is that copyrighted or trademarked or not yet? Well, it's on there, so go ahead and try to take it. Uh, I'll show that I've had it before you. <laughs> I, I I love the idea of sit back on your armchair and everything must be done automatically, right? That's Especially right. At, at the current current situations, you know, when there's so much over. We are saturated with the marketing. We are saturated with all those, you know, technicalities and everything, right? So, yep, that's that's perfect. So, okay, so we go to the presentation. Perfect. So your website, investorsolutions.ca, telephone number uh, will be interviewed by me. That's perfect. So tell me, Jason. Why real estate? What make you start doing real estate? Uh, well, that starts way back uh, just out of high school. I'm going to start to date myself here. Right out of high school, I became a machinist, actually. Uh, did that for five years. Uh, became a fourth-year apprentice in machining. Uh, a company I was working for decided they were not profitable, and it was a massive corporation, and decided mm -hmm. to let everybody go. They laid everybody off, just came in one day and closed the doors, 42 people out the door. So I uh, had money sitting in the bank and didn't know what my next step was. I knew with 42 machinists running around town, it was going to be tough to find employment. So I, uh, I decided to uh, contact a realtor and I went and bought my very first flip. Didn't know anything about flipping, didn't know anything <laughs> about renovations. I just took a stab at it. You know, I, back then I had a Volkswagen Passat that I had to go buy a roof rack for. Uh, you know, I didn't have tools, so I went out and bought the, you know, 10 kit DeWalt pack of saws and, you know, drills and stuff and got started, did my first house flip. Back then uh, I bought the house for $12,500. I was on a double lot in Regina. So it goes back kind of what Shelly was saying yesterday in the hood in Regina where she started buying houses cheap. So yeah, there was, there was a lot of good inventory and it was easily, you know, accessible. I mean, you know, with 12,000 bucks, you couldn't even get a mortgage. Banks wouldn't touch it. You know, you'd need a minimum of $20,000. So yeah, just bought my first house, put about 6,000 into it, ended up selling it for about 28, about two and a half months later. So I made a few thousand bucks on it. Um, yeah, and after that, it was, uh, I, I just kind of fell in love with it. It was, uh, 
it wasn't a, being a machinist where everything is ten thousandths or thousands of an inch. If I was framing, I could just slap a, you know, that saw right across that two by four within an eighth inch and it would fit as long as I hit it hard enough. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I really enjoyed the, uh, you know, being my own boss instead of having a boss. So I, I liked that aspect of being an entrepreneur and starting my own company. So it was at that point that I decided right after that flip that, uh, you know, I would start my own renovation company. Um, yeah, my first few years were tough. Um, you know, it was decks and fences, you know, doing rough carpentry because who's going to hire a young kid right out of high school that's, you know, in his mid-20s. So, uh, you know, to do big jobs. So I uh, I got started doing that. And, uh, yeah, that's that was the beginning right there. That was back in 2000, 2006 was my, my very first house flip. Uh, congratulations. You you didn't lose money on the first deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you lucky? or? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if it was. I mean, the lady was asking. She was uh, an old lady. She was moving to a retirement home. I think she was asking 17 for it. And I just threw an offer at 12.5 and she accepted. So I had a line of credit and the money and I just bought it in full and did my thing. So, yeah, I, I would say I was lucky. <laughs> but my risk was minimal, too. So back then whatever whatever makes sense right so <laughs> congratulations right because i wasn't that lucky at the first <laughs> of the journey right so <laughs> yeah. yeah okay good <laughs> so what make you continue with the real estate right so you know i mean I, it was honestly I, the continuation of real estate was uh you know i mean over the next 11 years i, I just continued to you know, between renovating clients' houses and flipping houses as, you know, deals came around, because I really didn't know how to market or build that business. Um, it was, you know, just a passion. I just kept doing renovations and building a company. Um, you know, I ended up building my renovation company up to doing $1.3 million a year in sales. Um, so, I mean, we were making good money. I mean, all I was waiting was opportunity. I'd hear through the grapevine that, you know, someone was going through a divorce and, you know, they'd know that I'd be looking for, you know, deals. So I'd go and make an offer to go look at the properties. Um, and it just continued to snowball from there, you know, just growing. But then I came to a plateau where I knew that I didn't know enough. So that's when I closed my company here in Regina. And mm -hmm. I moved out to Calgary. And I dropped a lot of money <laughs> on coaches, mentors, teachers, you know, trying to find out that, that information that I didn't know. You know, it's, you know, it, it was quite motivating empowering to realize the amount of information that i didn't know was mm -hmm. it was overwhelming you know it was trying to and i'm a guy that likes to drink through a garden hose so i mean just pile it on me just give it to me because i'll analyze it and and go through what i need i'm a i'm a kind of guy that doesn't read the book i'll, I'll skim through the pages for keywords <laughs> uh yeah i believe so you're such kind of kind of guy and we do not know what we don't know right so 100 percent yeah, that's one of the very important aspects of being successful in any business, right? So you have to have a yeah. team of the people working with you, that's right. knowing more than you, right? So, guys, if you have any questions, do not hesitate. This is open conversation style, right? And I will be very happy if you ask any questions directly to the Jason, so you can type them in in the chat. And uh, so, Jason, what is your most preferable or successful strategy which you would you, you've been using or you would like to share with the attendees today yeah absolutely um so the most successful strategy i definitely have to say for me it's been house flipping 
but it's also a mix there of going in from, you know, the, the, the creative side of putting the, the flip together, you know, doing like agreement for sales. Uh, my last flip was on an agreement for sale. It was just that a client, you know, family that I knew was going through a divorce. Um, they were trying to separate. So I ended up going in and making an offer on the property. And then this was still before I even knew how to properly analyze the deals. You know, before I went to Calgary and started making all the, uh, you know, the, uh, the educational side of learning and making sure I knew how to analyze property. I, uh, I went in there, made an offer to these people, you know, for what they were going through. They weren't able to buy, a, you know, another house. Their credit was toast. They're, you know, not going to be able to do anything. So I made an agreement for sale with them. And mm -hmm. ended up paying each one of them a thousand dollars so they can go put it down on their deposit for their new place that they're going to rent. And I told them I, I'd end up buying this house in a year. So went in and you know bought the house low enough, put in thirty thousand dollars, renovated the house, um, which was none of my money because I ended up borrowing that money too at that time. Mm -hmm. So I had an agreement for sale and an investor partner that was you know financing the deal. And yeah, I ended up closing on the deal just after the year, and uh, yeah, made thirty five k on that deal. So. It was uh, another good experience, but I would say that flipping for me has been most successful. Marketing has been obviously, I mean, a, a successful strategy in finding wholesales and deals that will come in um, because that, like I said, in the very beginning, I didn't know how to do that. Um, so I spent the last three and a half, four and a half years really grinding and learning how to market and, you know, do different creative ways of marketing. So I would say that my strategy that was most successful had to be flips. Flips. So far. That's going to change as time goes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what happens if, if you have a different deals coming in through your marketing strategies? Like you, you are focusing on the flips, right? Yep. However, uh, can you agree with me that, you know, you have to look at different ways of utilizing different strategies while, while you, you know, working with the flips, right? Yeah. So because the deals are coming, they go and come and, you know, there are different situations, right? So. Absolutely. I mean, constantly you'll get deals that come in that don't make any sense whatsoever for a flip. Um, I mean, had one just the other day that it was a, a 2012 house, um, you know, mm -hmm. so I mean, it's, it's only, you know, whatever, five years old. Uh, chances of flipping a brand new house, it's pretty slim, you know, unless it's been really abused or beaten or as a rental property and needs a lot of work. But in this case, it wasn't. It was, uh, you know, the fella built the house and just going through hard times and wants to get rid of it. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And whenever, you know, you're marketing out, you're going to get different kind of people and different motivation that they're going to have. Whether that be that, you know, you have to turn the deal into that agreement for sale or whether it's going to be that flip option. You know, lease, you know, I do market out for lease options every now and then as well. So, but I don't do those deals. I'll, I'll end up just bird dogging those out to somebody else that can, you know, take it and run with it. Um, so... Yeah, you're right. I mean, just doing flips isn't going to be the answer. You need to be able to, you know, analyze deals in different directions. And uh, and from there, you'll be able to, you know, either bird dog it, handle it yourself and analyze the deal, wholesale it, you know, something with it. There's there's always a deal, even if that deal is sending it off to a realtor because the person wants fair market value. Right. Yeah. Every telephone conversation should make some money or should, you know, benefit someone right within yeah. the circle of influence right okay so we have a one question from juan jason uh you did your first flip with your own money what is the best way to do it what is the best way to flip using finance option which you recommended okay yeah so my first flip as i mentioned i mean the price was 
fairly low. I mean, I bought the house for twelve and a half grand, put you know six or seven thousand tops into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I mean, it wasn't a lot of money. Um, you know, I mean, that's I bought the house outright. So I mean, if you're going to get into financing and things like that, um, I mean, there's two different obvious ways you can go at it. You could buy it for your five percent down and live in the property and, and do your renovation. Um, you know, that's going to be your cheapest way to get a hold of the property and you know, uh, you know, secure it. Um, obviously, if you're going to do it as an investment, you're going to be in it for 20%, potentially more, um, but 20% typically. So, you know, I mean, obviously, private money is the, the best way to go in a flip, um, in my opinion. Um, but not saying that you can't go with a conventional mortgage and then you no know, hard money lender if you need to for, for doing the, you know, the actual renovation side. Um, you know, there's lots of good you know, hard money lenders in Calgary that love to do flips. So it's not hard to find those guys. We have um, a Claire Dredge also, right? Yeah, Claire Dredge, absolutely. You want you want information and access to capital. She's a, she's a brilliant woman. So, yeah, I, I don't know if that answers the question. I would just say that, you know, based on that it was my money, it was, it was pretty easy to acquire the property, just buying it outright, you know, you know straight for cash. Um, and same with the renovations. Um, there's very little for a carrying cost when you own the property outright. Um, so, I mean, if you're, you know, in my case, I didn't have a mortgage. I just had taxes and insurance to, to cover and my, you know, my utilities during the time of renovation. So it was pretty easy to, to do that deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's tons of options if you know how to analyze your deals um, to use hard money or, you know, private money, I guess, to, to fund and finance your deals. Juan, did, did, did you get the answer or you have a follow-up question? Okay. So what kind of obstacles most of the investors can face it, Jason, with yours? You know, with my experience, you know, my experience, my opinion, I would say that most people that are getting into investing, um, it really comes down to, to two things, mindset. And the second is definitely going to, you know, be marketing. Um, if you don't know how to market or build a business or run a business, um, it, it'll be very tough. Marketing, I think, has to be the number one. But mindset is is strong, you know, second in there. If you've got the wrong mindset and you're just, you know, going to post one ad in the day and, you know, think, oh, hey, you know, that that's enough. I did something. That's not how an entrepreneur works. I mean, an entrepreneur, you're the guy up there at, you know, some of you guys are up late. You know, I know Yark's a, a kind of a late guy. I'm a, in bed by nine o'clock, up at four o'clock kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I'd rather do the early mornings than the late nights. Um, it just works for me better. I like being an early riser. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think really the biggest obstacle they're going to face is potentially themselves for the mindset and marketing. If you don't know how to market, there's so many great videos and things, you know, out there to help you get through that. Or this guy that I'm speaking to right now, Yark. <laughs> Just to let you know, I don't sleep much. Yeah, well, <laughs> you have to get some more sleeping pills in here or something. <laughs> oh, I don't like pills. I don't blame you. I don't believe it in it, right? If you have a good set it up mindset, you can fall asleep like crazy, but yep. Sometimes sleepless nights are happening, right? Because you are so excited about doing the deals, right? Absolutely. So if you were to tell, you know, people to read one book, what would be 
what 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 kind of book you would re recommend? Tell me. So, I just reached back to my small collection of books. I'm usually an audiobook guy, but okay. uh, for me, my coach. I came from being a contractor of 11 years, you know, as I mentioned, and my mindset was uh, completely in the wrong place. Um, you know, I was a very much what's in it for me kind of guy. And, uh, and that was such a tough mindset when I sat down with my first mentor in real estate. Uh, my wife actually, after the meeting, turned to me and she says, were you about to hit the, you know, were you about to hit him? I said, nope, but I was, uh, I was very close. I, I you know, I mean, I'm, I was passed, for lack of a better word, at, you know, the way he was pushing my buttons. And that's because I was used to being a hard ass, used to being a contractor. So the book that I would recommend to everybody is The Go-Giver. It's a book oh, that will okay. teach you more or less that the more you give and help others, the more you're going to get in return. So it was uh, it was a real mind shift for me. I've probably listened to the book. I, I, on audio, there's actually three different books. It starts there. Um, and then there's The Go-Giver Gets More and you know, a few others that they add on. Um, I've probably listened to it probably 12 times because I, every time I listen to it, I catch something else. Um, or just reinstill some of the original values that I actually wanted in my life. So uh, that book was, uh, yeah, thanks, Christian. You're right. It's, it's an absolute awesome book. So that would be the book I'd recommend to people. Okay. I never read it. Well, <laughs> God, there's, your, there's your new bucket list for the month. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Something to consider, definitely, right? <laughs> But, you know, without even reading that book, um, we are givers like crazy, oh, are yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, you're given. Absolutely, you are. Okay. So you are consider yourself as an investment automator, right? Yep. Tell, tell, tell what do you mean by that? What, what that penetrates to the real estate? You know, so, yeah, the investment automator came in right after I, uh, I started taking a lot of my courses. And I took the Rich Dad courses, spent a, too much money. Um, don't okay. get me wrong. The content was good. Um, I just felt like at the end of it, I was hung out to dry. And I mean, I, and I mean that in the sense that it's like any school and that's what they are. They're a school, they're an educator. They're there to teach you the, uh, you know, the content of, you know, of strategies and different things to do, but they're not there to babysit you and help you build your business. So once you're done with, you know, paying these guys tens of thousands of dollars, it's on you. I mean, yeah, you've got a coach and a mentor, well, what's he going to do? He's going to just tell you, well, start posting ads. Start, you know, like, cause I'll, I'll tell you a short story. Even when I was with my mentor, um, I, I'm very much a guy that likes to outsource things, you know, uh, you know, VAs. So when we were sitting there with my coach or my mentor, he turned to me and he says, Hey, I want you to post some ads so that, you know, tomorrow we can, uh, you know, start analyzing some deals. Hopefully you'll get some leads. So I got on my phone and I sent a quick message to my VA, start posting ads. And I put my phone back down. I said, okay, now what do you want to do, Mr. Mentor? You know, Mr. Mentor. And he's so well, no, I want you to post the ads. I said, no, no, I'm a business owner. I delegate. I give that out to somebody else. That's their job, not mine. <laughs> so he didn't like that. You know, and that was part of the confrontation is that he didn't like my management style and the way I ran my business. But I run my business like a business. And there's things that are better for other people. So um, mm -hmm. the automation side you know, like I said, uh, after the education side, I lost and, uh, you know, that that a connection where they just drop you off out of school and you got to hit the real world and build a business. Well, I've built a million dollar plus business in renovations, 
But okay. when it comes when it came to starting and building a business, you know, in you know, in, in investing in real estate, I didn't know where to go. I, I just felt absolutely lost. So um, and then all you know, with that, they started giving a lot of these, you know, these Excel spreadsheets. You know, like here, here's this, analyze your deals, manage your business on this. And I'm like, holy, are you kidding me? What kind of world are we living in that we're running everything off Excel spreadsheets? You know, like we're in a technology driven world that we've advanced so much further than 2000, you know, Excel spreadsheets. Um, so yeah, I ended up uh, at that point trying to find, I started going online and searching to see what I could find to automate or run a business like, you know, like, like it should be run, like there should be a system in place. And, uh, and I couldn't find anything. I, I found things for individual strategies, you know, maybe if you're doing wholesale or if you're doing flips, but it was tough for me to find anything that actually incorporated, you know, multiple strategies, you know, such as the wholesale, lease options, you know, flips, um, you know, managing your rental properties, you know, so the buy rent and, you know, prey as you would call it, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it was tough to find that all in one package. So I ended up creating my own. I uh, did a lot of research in different CRMs and, mm -hmm. and I built a CRM system to, to help investors analyze deals as well as manage all their leads and keep them mobile. So they're not locked at a desk looking at an Excel spreadsheet all day. Um, you know, if a call, you know, if somebody calls you, you can deal with everything on the go. You didn't have to sit there and do it. So um, automation to me, um, you know, with real estate is, is, Basically that, you know, you, you can be, you can have automated triggers that would do certain things for you. So if a lead came in through your web form, all of a sudden now it would, uh, um, you know, automatically send them that autoresponder email. Um, and if you ask them a certain question, you know, based on that response, it would then automatically send them another question or another response or, a, you know, a, hey, sorry, this deal isn't going to work. Um, or just follow up emails, things that were automated that you didn't have to manually do something every single time for the next chain of events to happen. Because my problem when I really got growing and building this was that I started getting anywhere from four to six leads a day when I was pushing my head, you know, marketing. Well, mm -hmm. the compounding effect of that is a nightmare. So, I mean, you know, you get four leads come in on your first day and you're like, wow, this is amazing, great. So now you're starting to call these people, analyze the deals, trying to, you know, get comps from realtors to figure out all the information. I mean, sometimes the realtor wouldn't get back to you for a day or two. They're just, they're swamped or maybe they weren't going to respond at all. So the problem I had was, you know, the first day I might be able to analyze one of those properties, you know, or one of those deals, but then the next day, another four to six came in. So now I've got maybe nine on the go because maybe the first one didn't work. So now I'm working on nine and I'm still trying to get information from yesterday on the other deal. And it just became a logistical nightmare. So I ended up literally having to, uh, you know, to shut everything down and start from scratch. Um, and I, this time I didn't have my CRM in place. So I, I was just pulling my hair out. Um, and I don't have a lot. If I, if I lean forward, <laughs> you can see that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, it ended up that, uh, the CRM came in out of necessity, just based on my ability to learn how to market and get the, you know, the, the volume of leads coming in. I needed a system in place that could handle what I was able to receive. You know, something that automated, like I could put this guy into a certain category and it would automatically follow up with him if he didn't answer my phone call. You know, I could just set it and forget it. And if he didn't reply, then he'd end up as a dead lead and it would just follow up with an email once a month. I could ignore him because he wasn't contacting me back. 
but the guys that were actively involved in, you know, negotiating, I could move them through stages of, you know, of the deal, whether that would be a negotiation or follow up with them in three days because he was getting me paperwork. Um, you know, that's that's just the way it was for me. Um, yeah, I, like I said, the CRM automation, it, it came into place because of, you know, the necessity to grow a business to a massive level. And that was my goal. Sounds good. So can you elaborate what is the, the CRM? Yeah, so a CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management Software. Um, okay. You know, a CRM is is basically a spreadsheet on an incredible amount of steroids. Uh, it has your built-in, you know, your email, which you're not going to have in your typical, you know, Excel spreadsheet. So, I mean, if I wanted to email 50 people all at once because it was all the same response that all of these people needed, I could just select all 50 people and, you know, based on some filters, I could select all 50 people and then send them all a, a tailored message that would automatically address each one of them by name, you know, and, and ask them all the same question. Now, you're probably not going to have to, um, you know, analyze or respond to 50 people, but maybe it's three. Maybe three people that you're working on deals are all in the same, you know, position, same stage of negotiation. So you can select all three and just send the message. And they're built in templates, so it makes it very simple in a lot of cases that you could just click two or three buttons and boom, your emails are done for the morning. You could go about your day and as the emails come in, you can either respond to them that day or, you know, maybe it's first thing in the morning, in the next morning that you do that, you know, whatever your business model is. But um, yeah, so I mean, with that, the automation side of things and, and what you're talking about, a lot of it is, you know, for me, businesses are set up in three ways. There's automation, systemization, which is a okay. lot of what uh, Shelly was talking about yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just system, you know, a system in your business. If you don't have one, get one, um, you know, and then delegation. As I mentioned, I like to outsource, send things to other people to do because there's always somebody that's better at something than I am. What I'm good at, I focus on and put, you know, in work on, you know, to make myself better, like marketing. I knew that I could be good at marketing. I just didn't know how to market. So once I got into it, it, it became more of a passion and something that I enjoyed doing. Um, there's nothing quite like the feeling of, you know, posting an ad or something and seeing that it got, you know, a hundred likes and, you know, whatever, you know, 5,000 people saw it or whatever the case is. I mean, that's, it's, you know, you know, I don't know. It, it gives me a warm bubbly feeling. <laughs> so, you know, the CRM, um, what else can I tell you about it? It's, it's one heck of a powerful system. Um, when you learn how to use it, because I mean, it's like any new system or software that you're going to jump into, there's a learning curve. Um, it's not drastic, but it depends on the time that you put into it. If you just leave it and don't do anything and don't play with it, then yeah, I mean, that's kind of like anything in life. If you decide to run out and buy this book and read one page every single day, then in a year, you, in a year you might get the result or you might've forgotten everything that happened in the first four months that you read it. So, you know, I mean, a book like that should probably take someone three hours to sit down and read. Um, and you'll get all that content shoved in your head really quick. Like I said, fire hose, throw it down there. But so that, I, I hope that kind of answers the CRM. I mean, a CRM is kind of a tough question, but it is, it's a customer relationship management software, steroid based spreadsheet. Steroid based. Okay. <laughs> Never heard of it. You learn something every day, right? So guys, never use the, the, the Excel sheets anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll shake my head at you all day long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, you were talking about automation, systematization, and delegation. I, I, I can add it one more. Absolutely. About oh, you, yeah. right? Yeah. Thinking out of the box, guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love to think outside the box. Creative strategies, creative ways to yeah. twist deals. Um, yeah, I, uh, I love getting phone calls or, you know, even people that just want to pass a deal in front of me. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can just sit there and banter different ways that we can pull that deal together. You know, it's... Uh, I have in mind something which we were discussing on a regular basis, and we, I'm very excited to work with you on that on that project or that matter, automating the logistics to create as many leads coming in within one, two, three clicks. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine guys having distribution of the leads coming in from all over the Canada, right? That has to be Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. For my, my four to six leads that were coming in on average a day, at that point, I was marketing four provinces. I was mm -hmm. doing BC to Manitoba um, with the intent to continue going further east. Um, mm -hmm. Didn't get to that level, um, you know, as far as pushing further east yet. But mm -hmm. that's not to say that uh, as I find more delegatable people to send information to, you know, some more VAs that I'm pretty sure I'll, uh, I'll handle that. But at four to six a day, it's still something that uh, it takes time. You know, it takes time out of your day. So unless you start building a team of people that can start analyzing, handling, and negotiating those deals, <coughs> trying to push and look at going, you know, like BC was a bad example because it's, it's mm -hmm. a busy market. I mean, to push into there and try to find somebody that has a, a, you know, a property or in a bad situation that they couldn't just list it and sell it, yeah, it, it's kind of tough. I mean, the properties out there, they move fairly quick. So really a lot of those leads were Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, mostly Alberta and Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. um, you know, for my leads that were coming in for that four to six. But uh, yeah, um, you're right. Out of the box thinking, it's, it's definitely something that I enjoy doing. Yeah, out of the box thinking, simply saying that you mentioned the CRM, which this is your baby. There is another baby, automated marketing, right? That's what yeah. we are covering. You are so humble, Jason, right? <laughs> Honest, word to God. Uh, right, how many of you guys having the problems, uh, problems, challenges to reach out to the realtor and ask for the CMA, comparable market analysis, and where uh, you have to wait, you know, hours, maybe even a days to find it out if the property which you are interested in is the worst to, to even to give an offer, right? Yeah. We are talking about automated CMA tool. You All don't right. mention that. All right, like, I'll, I'll talk about it. You're out of the box thinking is, you know, like... <laughs> All right, I'll talk about it. So, yeah, I've, uh, that problem that I was having with the realtors mm -hmm. drove me into developing the next system. So I developed the, CM, uh, the CRM first because I was I couldn't stand spreadsheets. It drove me mental. So um, yeah, the next system I came up with was based on a necessity of being able to analyze these deals quickly. So I came up with Canada's first and only um, CMA tool that allows you to analyze deals using actual comps from a realtor, like actual mm -hmm. sold data um, on your own. So you don't need to contact your realtor. You know, you can just literally punch in the address and geolocates and actually comes up and says, Hey, these are all the houses that fit your criteria in this area that you've defined. Um, cool. so, I mean, if you're looking for, 
you know, a property in Southeast Calgary, um, you know, and you entered the address, you could define this, you know, the radius around it or actually draw out the box around the neighborhood that you want. It will, uh, you know, break down by bedrooms, bathrooms, square foot, year built. Um, so you could literally break it down and go, hey, what are the houses? And I mean, this works out great when you're on the phone with a, you know, with a potential investor, a potential lead, a seller lead. If they've called you and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to sell a house here and I, the lowest I'm willing to take is whatever, 375. Okay, well, what's your address? Click it in to find, you know, okay, how many, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms? And within seconds, you'll understand whether this client is being realistic or they want fair market value. You know, that was something that, like I said, I could not fathom waiting on somebody else to help me grow my business. And that realtor was the guy that was holding me back every single time. So I uh, spent, I would say about 11 months with developers overseas building this bloody system. It was a, a nightmare. I mean, it was, it was a problematic system because I got, had to make sure that I wasn't going to get sued, that you, if you use it, won't get sued. Um, so, I mean, there's some logistical issues behind the system to in, allow you to be able to utilize it with sold comps. So, yeah, that's uh, the CRM and the CMA. <laughs> Can you do that with your CRM? Not hearing everything that you're saying. I'm not sure the question. Now, the CRM is basically a database, Betty. Um, so yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this the CRM it's it's literally to you know it's a like I said, customer relationship management. It's there to hold all your information in place. Now the mm -hmm. CMA is the one that will actually analyze the deal. Um, mm -hmm. That or you can you know rely on the human being that you're gonna message and say, hey, send me some info, and they will, and they'll send you a spread from two hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand and say, hey, these are all the properties that sold because they're not gonna waste their time looking at it for you. Um, so yeah. then it's up to you to analyze it. You know, like when you ask the realtor, more likely they will send you the, this is the recent sales and- yep. Here's the last six months guess. and everything. Yep. Take That's your guess, right? So, it, it, you know. You and know, that was the I, problem I was having too, because then it made it tough to analyze a deal. And for me, my, my goal when I was marketing Canada, why was virtual wholesaling. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that's very popular in the US, um, but in the US they have access to information. So in Canada, it was tougher. Um, Got it. But I hated the logistical nightmare of waiting on someone else for, you know, for me to be able to analyze a deal. So I came up with that next solution, which was yeah. a little tougher than the CRM. <laughs> so that is your humble, you know, not talking about that kind of businesses, <laughs> but that proves, right, Jason, that you are out of the box thinking person. That's what, you know, automation and, you know, delegation is the most important thing. If you, if you have to rely on somebody else and they don't deliver, you just fire them and then you develop your own system. That's the way it looks like, right? Yeah, and I mean, there is, like I said, I mean, it's it's been a few years since I did a flip. And I mean, a lot of that is because I've been trying to to build my business in a different method. I mean, like I said, I spent, I spent just about a year putting this entire CRM together. And I mean, I had to meet with a lot of people to go through and ask them questions about their strategy. And, you know, because they, they were doing investment strategies that I wasn't, but I wanted that information in my system so that it would be available for other people. Um, you know, so that was a year of my time after my education, you know, a year of my time was built just building the CRM system and getting it to a perfected level that it would make sense to sell it or, you know, have other people, you know, use it. And then I came, you know, started pushing my heavy marketing right after that. And it was working great. The problem mm -hmm. then again was the now breakdown 
of, you know, like I said, first I was marketing and didn't have a CRM. Then I got the CRM and started marketing and it was working great, except for one disconnect. And that was my realtor or realtors. So I came up with another system. I hit another roadblock in business that I had to overcome. You know, I didn't give up. I didn't go, holy crap, these realtors are just going to screw me for the rest of my life and they'll never make money. I had to come up with a better answer, you know, and it was tough, but I did it. Okay, so uh, there is a Christian asking about the costs and everything. We are not going to cover that, but please contact Jason on the website, which is on the PowerPoint, and Jason will be happy to answer all the questions, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, information is there. Absolutely. Yeah, the so, yeah. information is uh, we are not selling any products, guys. We are just chit-chatting and introducing, you know, the most successful Canadian real estate investors, in our opinion, and they're sharing the secrets, right? So... That's the principal goal of today uh, entire workshop, right? So that's what I want to emphasize. And Joe, you, Joe, you are more likely have a chance to ask a question directly. Can you unmute yourself? Click on that icon, Mike, on the top and start talking. You have a 30 seconds. <laughs> You are already a speaker. You just click on the icon with Mike. Okay. So, uh, Joe, Joe is asking, were you able to bring on your money partner based on the profits from your first flip or through your meetings, marketing? So my marketing. Yeah. So, you know, my, uh, no, I mean, my first, uh, you know, that was something that uh, <laughs> was done by, uh, I guess, just the sheer entertainment of trying to do something new. You know, I went from being a machinist to going, what am I going to do for a living? And I tried something different. I took a gamble and, you know, that one paid off. But no, I would say that, uh, you know, then from there on, I've never actually shown my portfolio to another investor, even though I've got it. Um, you know, I've never really shown it to another investor in order to get them to to come into the deal. So I wouldn't say that it was based on my first flip or through any marketing. Um, I would say it was just based on relationships that I had at the time um, that I was able to get people to, you know, to put capital into something uh, based on trust and, you know, and uh, rapport, um, even though I had a contractor mentality. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, it was, uh, like I said, I can't say that it was in either one, both in those, in that scenario, it was a little bit different. Um, but yeah, it was based on connections. So, I mean, you know, it, whether you call that just out there networking and meeting people and, and talking about what you're doing or what you're looking to do, um, I would say that that's how the money came into play in, in these scenarios was, uh, was just good word of mouth and connections and, you know, history. I mean, these guys knew that I wasn't, you know, broke, um, you know, doing a, you know, one plus million dollar business in a year. Um, if anybody knows construction margins, they're high. So that's the reason I still own a construction company. Um, you know, when I was doing, I'll, I'll, I'll throw the numbers out there because I really don't care. When I was doing $1.3 million a year, my gross margins were 54%. So then I take my paycheck and, and pay off some whatever, you know, taxes, insurance, things like that. That's what allowed me to leave um, 
you know, my, my position here and move to Calgary for, uh, you know, for two and a half years and spend money, tons of money and not work. I, I was, you know, I worked a little bit for, uh, you know, I would say about eight months, nine months for a company. Um, you know, when I first moved out there, just out of, you know, sheer off, you know, necessity, but I was as a project manager in the same industry as running, an, you know, another company. And uh, yeah, it just, it wasn't for me. I mean, I hate trying to build somebody else's dream after building my own. So, but then, yeah, I just spent the next year and a half or so just sitting around spending money, building CRM systems, building CMA systems, just chewing through capital. So, and then the market decided to go even further south on me. So I said, forget it. I'm coming back to where I, you know, my stomping grounds and start my company back up. So I'm back in Regina now. So, yeah, I, I hope that come you know, somewhat answers that, you know, was I able to bring the money partner in based on profits? Um, no, because they weren't aware of my, uh, you know, my portfolio of flips. Um, mm -hmm. And the other one was just based on, I wouldn't say marketing, but in, I guess it is marketing. I mean, marketing myself, um, not just you know, direct marketing, looking for people that want to invest. It was just through communications, whether that be sub trades that had money that wanted to invest or my own capital I was bringing to the table. Um, you know, that's how I was doing the deals. So. Okay, perfect. So there's a follow-up questions from Juan. More likely related to the CRM, I believe so. Yep. Jason, the leads are also coming from MLS. Are they uh, coming? Yeah, no, when I was doing the four to six leads a day, uh, zero of those were for, from the MLS. Um, those were all strictly internet-based marketing that was bringing in leads through, like I said, from BC to Manitoba. Okay. So none were from the MLS. I do currently bring in leads from the MLS. Um, in Saskatchewan, I have over 640 realtors in my CRM, and at the click of a button, I can email all 640, but I'd highly recommend you never do that because you cannot keep <laughs> up with that many responses. <laughs> I did 200 in one day, and that was uh, the worst mistake I made for the next week and a half. <laughs> you didn't automate it? Well, I mean, it was their response, right? I mean, some of these guys wanted to sit down and meet, and other guys just, you know, wanted to, you know, get on the phone and talk about what kind of properties I was looking for and criteria. And, yeah, so, I mean, it. Uh, I had a lot of wonderful coffee for about a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, I had some good meetings, some wonderful people I met, some great contacts. A few of them I are pretty dedicated to right now, mm -hmm. um, you know, and they, they, they're on the grind just about every day for me. I get emails constantly from these guys. So it, it's worth building those relationships and connections. So Definitely, definitely. Mortgage agents, uh, real oh. estate agent, anyone who is in, in, into the business and serving the, the, the real estate investors and, you know, yep. they're working with it, right? So no. definitely, right? I'd have to say with the real estate agents, the worst thing I had was agents that would tell me that the only way they would work with me was under an exclusivity agreement. Um, oh. and, and I told them, I said, I would be willing 100% to sign an exclusivity agreement with you on one condition. You'll sign one with me. <laughs> so that means you will never work for another client except for me. They didn't like it, so they all left. <laughs> Can I borrow that? Absolutely. I mean, why would I lock my life down to you if you're not going to do the same for me? That's the dumbest business transaction I could make. So, yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunately that they have a mindset like that, that they're not willing to work. But these realtors, they're the guys out there that are going to hear about a distressed property typically before you will, in most cases. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, if you want a pocket listing, 
talking to one realtor may not give you that pocket listing. You know, they might hear about it the next day after it's just about to hit the MLS because they might get a text message or an email, you know, based on their system that, hey, you know what, Joe Blow in the, you know, in the Century 21 or wherever it is, has just got a new lead and it's going on the market tomorrow if you got a buyer, blah, blah, blah. But it's already too late. I'd rather get it right from the horse's mouth than secondhand. Definitely. So. That's one of the most powerful strategies to be honest with you because if, if somebody are selling, selling from different sources, uh, it's crazy. In US, what happens is there is a multiple unit or shopping mall and everybody are selling, you know, the, the yeah. shopping mall is in California and all over, like 50 agents all over entire US are selling that project. And yeah. you see the prices bump it up like a million, two million. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Crazy, right? it, so. you know, and they, they were doing that in BC too, but the, you know, BC government shut that down on that shadow flipping where they, you know, they, by, the, by the time the property actually sold, it was bumped up another couple mil. Um, you know, so no, I, I definitely understand what you're saying there. So. There's a question, where are you getting the VAs and what the costs kind of? Okay. Um, the VAs, right? So, you know, I guess it all depends there, Mark. The question, <clears throat> the question is, where do I get my VAs and what, <clears throat> pardon me, what do they cost? So I get my VAs from a few different places. Um, and it depends on the task that you're trying to have achieved. Um, if you're wanting someone to post ads for you, the cheapest I've ever had a VA post ads for me was $2 an hour Canadian. Um, wow, that's cheap. $2 an hour Canadian, and they supplied their own VPN, um, you know, hide their IP address so they could post in Canada, uh, so they wouldn't get blocked. <clears throat> and the place that I got that VA from, I believe was actually freelancer.com. Um, I've also used, <clears throat> pardon me, Upwork, if anybody's ever heard of upwork.com used to be called Odesk, but uh, I like that one just because if you're new to VAs, it actually, um, it monitors, it takes a screenshot of their screen every eight to 12 minutes randomly. Um, so you'll be able to actually see if they're working on your project or if they're just playing around on Facebook and billing you for it. So, you know, it's, I like that if you're new to playing with VAs, cause then you can actually see if you've got a good VA. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where you get it. Now, like I said, if you're trying to get someone, um, you know, to do follow-up emails and, you know, and stuff like that, where they've got really good English so that they can actually follow up and it doesn't sound like you, you know, it's got that, that broken English, you know, feel to the email that, you know, you've, <laughs> yeah, hi, Eric. <laughs> um, you know, so you're going to pay more. I mean, you're going to get easily into the five, $7. You want somebody that's really good that has a real estate background or has worked for brokerages before, because there are a lot of you know VAs on the internet that have worked for brokerages and understand real estate, um, or at least somewhat understand real estate, you're going to easily get seven to 12 bucks an hour. But you're getting what you're paying for. These guys are a little more educated. Now that's not to say you couldn't just start with a person that's three to five bucks an hour and, and teach them yourself, if that's your prerogative. I mean, if you wanna go out there and teach people, go Good for luck it. With it. Yeah, I mean, you're literally trying to teach someone that knows nothing about what you're doing and trying to get them to the level that they need to be to analyze a deal, talk to a client, negotiate a price if it's by email or whatever. You can get ones that'll make phone calls as well. Um, so, yeah. Uh, just my personal experience, uh, virtual assistants, 
they do exactly what you tell them to do it. If you don't tell them to do it, they're not going to do it. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, they might do it in a totally different way. I remember my first time after I read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week <laughs> and I was talking about these VAs. Like, wow, what an imp that's an awesome idea. I like the outsourcing idea. And this was five, six years ago. So the next day I spent probably, I don't know, four or 500 bucks on VAs, just dumping money to find out what they can do. It was an educational thing for me. I just wanted to know what they're capable of. So I've had them going out to, I, I would pick a product in Canada that was popular, whether that be like a Milwaukee tool set or something. And I would tell them, I, this, this is what I want. I want you to go and source this in China for someone that's making these products or knockoffs or whatever. Um, I want you to source it. I want you to get a quote from them. I want you to get the shipping cost to my door and I want to per item. Then I want you to go on the internet and find you know, the top 10 online sellers that are selling this product. I want you to get their pricing from each one of them. And I want you to put it on a spreadsheet to break it down on what my profit margin is going to be per item, you know, landed, shipped, sold, everything else. And uh, I, oh, I got it. It was fabulous information. But I should have been a little bit smarter on how many hours I told them to do that in. <laughs> I just let them go instead of telling them that, hey, you know what, in five hours, I want you to get started. I want you to do these tasks in five hours, report back to me so I can make sure you're on the right track. No, I just let them go free willy. And yeah, they took what I gave them. I didn't give clear enough direction. I got what I paid for. You know, I, I gave bad information and that's what I got. Many, many times what the VAs are doing, uh, they have agents and the agents, they get in the cut and they distribute to many other people and yep. you pay into the agency, right? And other ones, VAs, what they do is they take a task for 15 minutes and 10 minutes and they charge you for an hour, right? So you have to have a, a lot, a lot of knowledge about how to work with the VAs, right? So definitely uh, real estate, knowledgeable and familiar with the aspect of real estate investing VAs, they cost more, but that's what you're getting for, right? Absolutely. Simple as that. I've been working with my VAs for 15 years, 14 years. So. <laughs> Sucker for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> and st still having some challenges on a regular basis, right? So right? Like we just said, though, I mean, that's, that's exactly it, though, is I mean, these people aren't, you know, I mean, you can get people over there that are, you know, equivalent to Harvard, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, business degrees, you're going to pay them 25, which is still, you know, way cheaper than you're going to ever get one here. You know, you're going to be paying them 60, 70 bucks, 80 bucks an hour if you're going to try to hire somebody, you know, to do, you know, work for you. Um, so, I mean, to hire somebody out there, you know, it, it's a lot cheaper, you know, whether that be the Philippines or India or, or wherever that you're outsourcing. Um, there are a lot of good options to get quality people and at a cheaper price than you would pay here, but still expect to pay for what you're getting. If you're paying $2 an hour, expect to be redirecting them constantly. It's my experience so far. And I am quiet and nodding all the time, right? So, <laughs> so during all your conversation, uh, you have mentioned MAO, what that stands for. Ah, the, the Mayo. So Mayo, you know, I mean, Mayo is it, it's part of the CRM. Now, I, well, it's not originally part of the CRM. Now, Mayo actually stands for Maximum Allowable Offer. And this one grinds my gears so bloody bad when I hear mentors and coaches teaching people that do house flips 
or wholesaling when they're teaching the 70% rule. The 70% rule is the worst investment advice you'll ever get. You know, that's when somebody's telling you that, you know, you have to go and find a deal that's that's at 70 cents on the dollar or a 30% discount from fair market value and then mm -hmm. minus your renovation costs. And that 30% is supposed to be your buffer. That buffer to cover all your closing costs, your, your covers your profit, your investor's profit, um, you know, so it covers all your expenses. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, but 30% based on what? Is that based on a $50,000 deal? A hundred thousand, a million? Try to try to go and find someone that's going to give you, you know, a million dollar property for three hundred thousand dollars less, less the renovations on top of that. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, it, it is definitely possible. But if that's how you're basing your numbers, is just on a guesstimated number of thirty percent instead of a hard figure and actually analyzing what your expenses are going to be, you're you're literally throwing to the wind caution and just saying, hey. Okay, you know, thirty percent. That that's a good buffer. I should be okay. No, so Mayo, it, it's the maximum allowable offer, and this is a system that's built into my CRM system. That when you enter in the the price that they, you know the, that you're going to be able to buy that property for, you enter in your renovation costs. You know how many months it's going to take you to flip the deal. Um, you know interest rates on your on your mortgage. You know what your mortgage property is. How much your down payment is. When you enter these you know, pieces of information, it automatically comes out and calculates your maximum allowable offer. If you pay a penny more than that, you're gonna lose money. Now, I'm not saying that's what you have to buy it for, but I'm saying that that's the maximum that you should ever pay for it. Now, if you could get it for another $40,000 below market, fabulous, you make an you know, even bigger profit margin. But it's if you don't know your numbers, your entire business model is based on gambling. And I mean, I hope to heck it's not your investor's money that you're gambling with. You know, I hope it's your money because I would honestly hate to see, and you know, you out there spending the investor's money on an educated 30% guess that somebody told you to use as a figure. You know, it just doesn't make sense. If you don't know your actual numbers, you shouldn't be investing. You know, that's just my strong opinion. Like I said, when I hear people telling me about the 70%, I just shake my head because you're you're gambling. You know, if you open up the walls and you don't have any contingency in there, you open up the walls on something and you got knob and tube, you're in it for another 20K, it, it's going to hurt. Someone's going to get messed up pretty quick. You know, either your profit margin, hopefully, but your investors might be in there too. And it's just because you didn't know what you're doing. So, I mean, if like I said, it, it's got contingencies and everything in there for additional floats in the Mayo system. So, uh, but Mayo stands for maximum allowable offer. And there's a, always the caveat, right? There's, there's got to be. I mean, you know, like I said, though, is if you've got in there for, hey, I'm going to make twenty-five thousand dollars of a profit margin on this. My investors, it's, it calculates the investors' profit margin and, and puts that into there as well. But if you're going to go and say, hey, I'm going to make twenty-five grand on this flip, and uh, you know, I've got an extra eight thousand dollars here as a, you know, an extra bonus just in case. But that's your maximum allowable. You now know that you could negotiate a little differently. You know, saying that, hey, I've got 8,000 as a contingency, you know, just in case whatever happens, um, you know, but it's it's one of those things that, you know, the 8,000 is your, is your buffer, right? So, I mean, if the person, if you had a 250 maximum allowable offer, you know that you could actually go to 258, but if something jumps up, it's going to bite you. It's coming out of your profit margin, unless you're splitting 50-50 with a JV partner, not just paying them an interest rate, but so... 
Perfect. So what kind of mistakes most of the investors, in your personal opinion, are uh, the making and how to avoid them? Mm. Okay. Yeah, so I would that's say... That's a topic for an entire 10 hours conversation. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big topic. I would definitely say, though, the Mayo is a big one for me. Um, but marketing, um, it, you know, I, I don't even know if marketing is a big mistake. I just think if it's a mistake, the only reason it's a mistake is that they're not doing enough of it. They're not learning about it. They're not doing it. They're just expecting it to happen. They're expecting leads to just show up at their door and, and magically close on their own. Um, I, I would think that the biggest mistake they're making and how to avoid them. Yeah. I, as I would have to revert back to Shelly here again. You know what? Honestly, Shelly was saying yesterday, due diligence. You know, if you're not doing due diligence, on your deals, um, you know whether that be on the maximum allowable offer, or whether that be um, on your business partners that you're bringing into it. Um, I, I think that's going to be one of the biggest ones that is going to hurt you. Analyzing your deals properly, your due diligence. If you're just running into the deal and going, "Holy crap, good deal!" Sign the papers. Okay, well, I hope it was a good deal. I mean, it, yeah, like the Dragons Den, right? I mean, Kevin O'Leary. It's you know, it's one of those things that you, you've got to. You got to do, do due diligence. How many of those deals in the Dragon's Den don't actually close? You know, because once it gets into due diligence, they're like, holy man, this is a terrible idea. You know, the business model's flawed. I'm out. Right. So, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely, I would say, do your due diligence because it's going to take you some time. Build a system. But it's nice to watch those, those uh, you know, those programs oh, to see it, how other people are thinking, right? Yeah. It's nice to watch somebody's dreams fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also. <laughs> and you know like honestly the, the mistakes is are you do not know what you do not know you're right what you don't know yeah exactly yeah. build this build a system i mean you know for me being the investment automator you know it's one of those things that if you're not putting a system in place you know then you're you're literally planning to fail um you know because a business is a system and if your system is you know what? Let me call you back, Mr. Seller, um, at 4 p.m. when I get home. Um, I got to log into my computer and get a, you know, open up my spreadsheet because that's how I run my business. Then you're not you're not ready for today's technology and what's going on on analyzing mm -hmm. deals and putting them together quickly. Um, you're going to be spending way more time than you need to to analyze deals because mm -hmm. you're going to be sitting there back and forth and oh crap, I forgot to text that guy and it was or, you know email that guy or call that guy. Because you don't have them in one place where you can be mobile at all times. I could be sitting on a beach in Tulum, Mexico right now and still analyze and do, yeah, absolutely, and do every one of my deals because everything I have is mobile. All I need is, a, you know, an internet connection. So. so, guys, that's the way of thinking. Creative real estate investing. Simple as that. So, tell... So let's wrap it up and I will ask you last question. Sounds good? Sure. So share some of your strategies, marketing systems, how you utilize them. Ooh, going for the big question. <laughs> so sure, share your knowledge. Uh, you know, I mean, marketing is in multiple different directions. I mentioned I got 640 realtors that are in the Saskatchewan area that I'm in. Um, you know, that's you know, one of these things where I get a hold of a VA and I get them to do some data scraping. 
Um, so, I mean, that the virtual assistants out there, you know, scraping the internet and pulling all these contacts off the internet, getting me their phone numbers or emails, the companies they work for, um, you know, and I mean, there's lots of sites, you know, even like 411, if you're looking for contractors or looking for mortgage brokers, lots of these sites have a huge database of all these people you can call. Well, I mean, if you get a hold of a VA that knows how to do data scraping, you can get them to scrape all that information into a spreadsheet, but then mm -hmm. I take and import that into my CRM system so that I can contact these people and keep track of all my contacts. Um, you know, the last time I talked to them, that's all in there. So, you know, if you're looking at it and going, oh, well, heck, I haven't talked to this person in a month, or maybe you just set it up that automatically, you know, in the CRM, it automatically triggers. After 30 days, it sends you a reminder to follow up with somebody or automatically sends them an email saying, hey, you know, we haven't talked in a while. Whatever the case is, um, I, I try to utilize systems and automation to, to help me stay on track because as you're trying to grow and scale a business, um, your time becomes a factor, right? I mean, a lot of people that are getting into real estate investing still have a day job. Well, I mean, if you're gonna sit there and spend an hour and a half all day trying to you know, phone and email and call people and, you know, or text people or whatever your case is, it's gonna kill you. So marketing systems, I use data scraping. Um, I have a program that I use um, for, uh, for scraping, um, I'm not even going to say scrape it. I'm going to have, I have another program I'm going to talk about then for automatically posting to Kijiji, Craigslist, and another one, but it's not really used in Canada, so I'll leave it out. So this system, when programmed properly, will automatically post ads on Kijiji. And this is what has allowed me to post over 2,500 ads a month over four provinces. Um, it's, uh, it's a very complex system, but it, uh, it does allow you, like I said, to post these ads. Um, it changes the picture. So, I mean, Kijiji's got a pretty tough algorithm to crack. Um, they're very good at blocking people out. So this system actually creates a new email address every single time it posts. And when you do that, then Kijiji sends you an email stating that, hey, you know, new account made, blah, blah, blah. This system actually goes to my email address, activates the activation link, allows me to post my ad. Um, it changes the picture size, so the size, the SKU, the file name, so that Kijiji doesn't constantly keep saying the same picture, um, you know, on there, and that it doesn't block it because of that reason. Um, changes the content in the ads. The ads have some rotation pieces in it that actually move words around and change words. Um, changes the title um, of it. Even weird things like in my phone numbers and that. Normally, you'd have like a dash between your your area code and your you know the phone number. Um, this will change it from a dash to a star to a, maybe a heart or, you know, something else. It, it just, it constantly changes it so that in, in a code, it's actually a different format. So it's not catching on to what I'm doing. Um, like I said, it's, it's a system that's got a lot of twisting and going on. Um, strategies, I mean, yeah, same thing, you know, we can use uh, the data scraping side of things. So if we were, say, in Calgary, we could do data scraping of sites like RentFaster. Um, so if you're looking for landlords that might want additional properties per, per se, we could go on to rent faster, scrape all the data, which is a lot of phone numbers on there and actually send people text messages, you know, asking them, you know, you know, maybe if they're just interested in looking at, you know, buying additional properties, you found them on rent faster and, you know, you just, you got some properties you want to unload. Um, you know, maybe they want to, you know, to purchase that way, or maybe you want to see if they want to sell their house. So there, there's different ways of going about you know, doing that. But I mean, the positive side of the CRM is I could take and import that. So if I scraped 
read faster and there's 7,000 phone numbers on there, I could text message 7,000 people in the matter of a minute, you know, after I've got the list. You know, I just click a couple buttons and boom, all of a sudden, 7,000 messages. Now, I mean, same thing goes back to the messaging 600 realtors. Can you handle the response, right? So it's uh, it's, it's definitely some creative, out-of-the-box thinking ways of, of trying to find and contact and communicate with people. Um, a lot of the stuff on Rent Faster, you're not going to be able to get the email addresses because they do a really good job of hiding that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't get on the phone even with some of these people and just do start doing some cold calling, start building some relationships with these people. It, it's all, the, you know, it's all on you and how much you want to grow and expand and blow your business up. If you want to stay small, do small things. If you want to do mm -hmm. big things, text message 7,000 people in a week and see what happens. <laughs> Done that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that's that's what I'm saying is, I mean, you know, it, it's all come down to you. And, you know, if you're if you're not happy and you think that your business isn't growing, well, look at what you're doing. I mean, if you're not putting the time in and the energy in and massive volumes, don't expect a massive response or a massive, you know, action on your side to, you know, to build your business. Um, it, it's, it's something of a you know, scale thing, right? I mean, if you don't do it, don't expect it to happen, right? Hope that answered some strategies. Um, I don't know if there's another one that I'm being humble about. <laughs> <laughs> the primary goal of, of, of organizing that event, right, is very, very simple to show that you can be successful real estate investor, that you do not know what you don't know, but you have a chance to rely on somebody else's knowledge, experience, and you build a real estate investing business per se is a people business. Can we agree about that? 100%. Okay. You are very humble about your automation, about all the thinking out of the box, about systemizing the logistics, etc. We agree about that, right? However, that's what the most important part of it is. If you have a people like Jason in the team, if you have a people like yesterday, lawyer, Thomas Tetmeyer, right? Yeah. Mortgage broker, you know, then Shelly, right? So yeah. Claire Drage, Shelly Hagen, yourself, and there is future speakers which they share the knowledge with entire team. Imagine what can be done. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Much easier is to make, you know, more deals, less money, but interact and systemize all the logistics with your help, right? Then do it by yourself on the Excel sheet and pulling the hair because you do not know what to do. You're, you're absolutely right. And I mean, um, I'm kind of, a, I, like I said, I am a little bit humble. I don't really like to talk about myself as much as you're trying to push me to, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those things that if you don't think outside the box, you're going to stumble in business. So definitely push. I mean, I hit some roadblocks that they're not even available. I mean, I, I looked for options on a CRM system. I couldn't find what I needed. So I, I created one. Um, am I a computer programmer by trade? Absolutely not. I went from being a machinist to a contractor. How much more computer dumb did I need to be? But I learned because it was something that I, I, I knew that I had to grow my businesses. And same thing with the, uh, the other side going into the CMA tool. Yep. There wasn't even a template for me to work off of. That was just constantly battering back and forth with, uh, you know, with developers on what they could do versus what I wanted them to do. And uh, yeah, there's some times where it took a lot longer than it needed to to get one button put on a, on a page. 
just because it wasn't there. I mean, I was trying to come up with solutions that they couldn't even give me because it was tough for me to explain what I wanted the system to do because it's not something that I could template. All right. I mean, the, the U.S. Patent Office says that there'll never be another, you know, invention. Every invention now is a is a play off somebody else's invention. So, you know, somebody just twisted somebody else's idea. Well, I mean, I was able to do that somewhat with the CRM because there's lots of people with different CRMs. And I was kind of able to pull lots of pieces all together to make one. Um, you know, so I had some concept that I could play off of. I didn't have that for the CMA tool. That was just my passion behind it, trying to find a solution to my massive roadblock. And that was the realtor. So. Okay. So I believe that our, our interview is concluded. If you have any suggestions, I do really encourage everybody to reach out to Jason directly, right? This is the information. Thank you, Jason. Absolutely. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you very much and looking forward for the next presentation and let's rock and roll. Stay tuned later. You'll uh, you'll get to see that uh, that Michael speaking. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is um, he is um. He's good to go. Street Smart Real Estate Investing. Welcome to the new innovative concept of real estate investing. No more expensive courses. No more high-priced mentors taking your money and leaving you without ongoing support. Become a full-time seasoned real estate investor by participating with our already successful team members. Now is the time to stop talking about real estate investing and start doing. Take action. Just ask and we will help you. We promise one thing, no BS. For more info, www.streetsmartrei.com.